this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, a weekly movies and award show podcast hosted by your two neighborhood-friendly film buffs. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. And each week, Matt and I roll out the red carpet and step and repeat banner for our feature film of the week. And this week, uh, we're doing our last movie of 2020, uh, our last full film review of the calendar year. And we are doing the movie Soul the newest Pixar animation venture, which very dramatically is uh, only available on Disney Plus. So uh, so the family can all see it warm in the fire. Not in the fire, by the fire. Wow. God, that's morbid. (laughs) Well, that sums sums up 2020 for you. (laughs) I hope you're not in the fire. But uh, yeah, stars the the voice talents of Jamie Foxx, uh, Tina Fey, Angela Bassett, and uh, several other um, stars you might know. And it's from Pete Docter, who was the writer or who was the director of, I believe, Up and definitely Inside Out. And there's a lot of Inside Out similarities to this movie. And that somebody who also has uh, screenwriting and I think co-writing credit is Kemp Powers, who is having a big year, or at least a big year, at least Oscar year, because um, he also uh, did the movie One Night in Miami, the screenplay. So, which is something that we'll talk about in a future episode, but a big year for him. Uh, yeah, it's the Pixar animation movie about a band teacher slash uh, jazz musician who kind of is going through like a midlife crisis, so to speak, of um, like whether to follow his like dreams of being a in like a jazz quartet and being kind of like involved in the jazz world or doing like the practical thing and being a teacher. Uh, and he very suddenly dies. So <laughs> speaking of morbid, uh, and kind of goes into, um, without getting too into it, basically goes into the um, sort of afterlife um, outside earthly experience. It's like the great beyond and the great before. This is like pre-existence and post-existence where he meets a bunch of other kind of souls that um, are going to make their way to Earth. And so basically the the gist of the movie is that he um, is trying to get back to Earth and trying to get back to his body. So yeah, it's kind of your classic Pixar scenario where it's like actually very uh, deep themes, but like also family friendly too, <laughs> both. So um did I like miss anything big on the? No, but I think we'll we'll definitely do a deep dive uh, yeah, into that. Yeah. <laughs> but That's no, like... I, you pretty much covered it. By the way, like I had no idea that was Angela Bassett. Like, did not sound like her whatsoever until I looked it up. 
I didn't know uh, until either, uh, 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 excuse me, I didn't know until after either that I didn't even know she was attached to it. I knew Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey and that was about it. So, <laughs> didn't sound yeah. like her at all. Yeah. I love Angela Bassett. Yeah. It is like a relatively minor role, at least in terms of pure screen time. Yeah. She's not, um, doesn't- Voice, or voice time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, before we do Soul though, um, should we uh, catch up with each other? What we've both been watching uh, over our <laughs> uh, over our break, our sort of like Christmas uh, time. What haven't I been watching? I, I like I told you like I've been like trying to catch up on all these like twenty twenty movies that I've missed or like um, like TV show TV shows or and stuff. But just like I guess it'll just be like. A, big <laughs> or like a uh all-in-one catch-all of <laughs> what i've been watching in 2020 um so so i know i've seen a lot i i've caught up a lot of movies that you have seen over the year which i haven't had time to get to so like i watched never really sometimes always uh oh, love. yeah so which was just like utterly heartbreaking i just uh i I don't think I have the right to um, say anything about it because <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I just thought it was, I just thought it was really good. Um, but yeah, I don't, I feel like I don't have the right to criticize it or um, just like, you know, I don't have the right to uh, tell a woman what to do with her own body. So yeah, just like, but the story, oh my God, it just, it was just so real and so raw. And I was just trying to find the words to, about what to say about it. And I just, the only one I can say is just it's just so heartbreaking um not quite like the movie you want to watch in between Christmas movies <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah it's a real like uh <laughs> like kick you back down to earth after you watch the Grinch um no I, I didn't actually didn't watch the Grinch this year or any really any that I did watch um but I the only holiday movie I did watch though was uh Happiest Season oh. um which I thought was cute which I think I think I talked to you about I can't remember if I talked to you online or offline about it. The only the only holiday movie I watched um, was, other than Happiest Season, uh, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, God. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I fall in the minority here. I, I hate the Muppets. I've always oh, <laughs> I've never I, liked Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the only one I watched, um, which on Christmas Eve, I believe, which was just like a pure delight. I can't remember what I watched. I, I watched a couple of movies on Christmas Eve. Um, oh, I watched I watched The Midnight Sky yesterday. Oh, I saw. Um, have you seen it? No, I'm going to, um, because it's such a thin year for like best visual effects that um, in the Oscars, like literally anything's up for grabs. And so, like that movie is probably going to get some like visual effects like nominations. Probably going to get some um, technical uh, award nominations. So. Unfortunately, because that's like the only thing it has going for it. It has some nice, it has some nice like visual effects, like background shots, like some nice zoom background shots. Um, but other than that, like, just take your time for it. Take your time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly. Oh, in the you don't need to, to rush it. to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then maybe I'll just like hold my tongue <laughs> until I <after laughs> see it, and then we'll wait. I don't know how like how many movies like to tell you how much to tell you like what I saw, but. Um, I also saw the nest. Don't uh, feel the feel the need to hold back. All right. Well, then I'm just gonna let it rip. So, <laughs> um, I also saw the nest. So I, I think I watched that on Christmas Eve, and I I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought Carrie Coon was good, 
Um, not as much smoking as like everyone's been hyping it up to be. Um, Cause like apparently like everyone's like, oh, she smokes the entire movie. And I'm like, so that didn't quite meet my expectations. It was, it was very weird. <laughs> I'm like- I did not hear this criticism. Oh, you didn't? No. <laughs> Like everyone's like freaking out, like, oh, she smokes so much in the movie. I'm like, she smokes in like four scenes. But anyway, uh, what I said was that it was good, but telling Jude Law he's full of shit in the middle of a fancy dinner uh, and then getting up to walking away to get your mink coat is literally what I strive to be. Um, <laughs> that's the best scene in the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, it's not a plot spoiler, but like, that's my favorite line uh, when uh, Carrie Coon just goes to like, the dinner party. She's like, uh, Please excuse my husband. He has never stepped foot in the theater in his entire life. I was cracking up. <laughs> I actually I rewound it and had to watch the scene over again. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Like, she just gets up and leaves. She just leaves. She just yeah. snorts. She just yeah. snorts and leaves. I, I like, but then like, I couldn't figure out like the ending, like spoiler alert. If you haven't seen The Nest, like fast forward now. But like the horse, so like, like she has this horse, right? When she moves to Europe or England. And then like the horse dies, but then I guess her son finds it when they, after they bury it, her son finds it. Was that horse moving in I the ground? Think, I, I don't think you're wrong to be confused because I don't think that was necessarily clear, but my sort of take on it was, yes, the horse was alive. Like the horse didn't actually die. Yeah. And, um, it's like, so the whole thing with the nest is, it's kind of a ghost story, but not really. Like there are definitely like, there are some scenes cause they're in this big mansion where um, you kind of think like there's maybe a ghost like there, but- Yeah, like, it, what is this? Well, it, it's like intentionally structured like this way of like, that's what like the horror is. It's like a real life sort of horror thing. So you don't quite know if it's going to move into a supernatural direction and it never quite gets supernatural, but there are things there that are like creepy and weird um, that kind of are the like, undercurrent of the um, very heavy like family drama that's going on. Yeah, I thought that was a little misplaced. I was like, where, like, where are we going with this? I, like, why do we need a ghost story out of this when the the family drama is more than enough? But I, well, like, I they hardly touched on it either. That's, that's it. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, that's that's the premise of it. Like, that's the scary part. Like, the real life is is the threat. So, and it's like very much like an allegory for nineteen eighties uh, excess and overconfidence. Yeah. All right. So I guess those are like a few movies I watched. I don't want to get too far into the weeds. If I did, we talk about. Uh, I can't see. I can't remember. Like if I talked to you about these movies online or offline. Um, did we talk about First Cow in here? I don't think so. Okay. I remember, but I will. If we did, I will gladly <laughs> talk about First Cow again. So apologies if we have covered this already but um first cow is like okay so this is the last movie i'll talk about because there's other movies i want to talk about but they just aren't worth it so first cow was like one of my most anticipated of the year and i and i just got around to seeing it last week and I, I i missed it in when it first came out at the beginning of the pandemic it came out in theaters and i really really want really really wanted to see it uh and i i had like every intention of going but then like all the theaters shut down and i know you said it was your last movie you saw in theaters correct yep yeah, yeah yeah like right before um, everything shut down yeah and so part of me is like 
really upset I missed this in theaters. And I know that's going to sound bad, but like, I really needed the theater experience to like fully focus on the film. See, like watching movies at home, like during the pandemic, they're just, there are too many distractions around me. Like when like there's like construction outside my apartment and like my phone's going off every minute. But like when I'm in a theater, I can like solely focus on a movie. And First Cow is a very, very slow moving movie. It's, I thought it was incredible. I thought the story was incredible. The, the, um, I can't remember the, the lead actor's name for the life. I just had it written down too. Joe uh, Magaro. Joe Magaro. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I thought he was incredible. Uh, I thought his relationship with all the characters were incredible. Uh, the two friends at the end, oh my God, the ending was like so tragic. Uh, well, not tragic, but like happy, happy, sad. Um, but like, again, I wanted to like focus on it. <laughs> not, like I really would have gotten like a better experience in the theater for, for me at least. But that being said, I, lo I love the movie. I thought it was great. And if you're into like slow burn movies like that, I think I think you'll really like it. I think it's on, what is it on? HBO I don't know now? what it's on now. I think um, it's on HBO yeah. or Showtime, something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, it is a lovely movie. And I'm glad that it was the last movie that I saw um, before we kind of patent down the hatches uh, because it's such a nice movie and I, there are a lot of movies like in this world that are like extremely cynical. <laughs> so I think like most movies are tend to be kind of like cynical movies, um, especially like adult movies, quote unquote adult movies. Uh, and they, and this is a kind of like pleasant reminder that like, people can be good. <laughs> like there are good people and you don't like really see that um, a whole lot in um, movies, indie movies like that. So it was like a, a nice reminder that good people kind of exist out there. And it's a like pleasant, um, a pleasant, very pleasant watch. Yeah, and this movie, I mean, it could have been dark and violent it very well could have been because of the circumstances these people were in, but uh, I do appreciate that it did take the pleasant route. Very, it was also like really relaxing and calming to watch. I, oh, I, totally. Yeah. I bet like ASMR, like people probably love this movie <laughs> because it's just like so peaceful. Yeah, it's very it's very relaxing. Like I could do like legit yoga to watch him first go. So <laughs> or medita uh, meditation, I should yeah. say meditation. Yeah. <laughs> Evie the Cow, Best Supporting Actress. Yes, yes, Evie. The campaign starts here. <laughs> when are we going to get an animal category? Come on. Best animal. Yes. Yes. Dave the Pig takes it every time. Well, if animated counts, um, I would nominate one from Soul. <laughs> so. Yeah. My What Are You Watching isn't as uh, thorough as yours. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I just like. <laughs> I've been like bottling all this in yeah. and like I've been watching so much. There's a lot more I've seen. So if you have questions, just like ask me and I'll tell you what I've been watching. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I just like, I needed to like, well, move. Get it off dump. your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, what are you watching is um, very uncharacteristic for me. I've done something over the past several days that I rarely do. Um, binge watch. So I, yeah, I usually take like one episode at a time. Um, mm. But uh, I have been watching a ton of Jeopardy. Oh, God. 
<laughs> because it's available on Netflix now. Uh -huh. So, uh, so I'm pretty sure what they do is they like curate, uh, like specific episodes. Like, I don't think it's like the entire, all hundreds of episodes that they air in a year, but it's like specific things because I've noticed things like we watched like the tournament, like the tournament of champions and, um, things like the teacher's week. And so, uh, they're very specific and you can kind of, it's like strange. It's interesting to watch it on Netflix because I feel like I can see the narratives that like, the episodes that they tried to select on on Netflix. Like there's a reason why like there's a contestant who goes on for like a while, like 18 episodes, something like that. So it's like, okay, so that's why they picked those 18 episodes. And then like, there's nothing after that. So it's really, um, it's really kind of like fascinating as to why they picked certain episodes. Um, but it is um, a blast to watch. And it is very easy to get kind of like sucked in <laughs> into, into the world of Jeopardy. And um, the episodes are so short. Um, without commercials, it's like, it is insane how short Jeopardy is. Jeopardy episodes are probably on average like 19 minutes. Yeah. So like 19 minutes, that means like 11 of those minutes are commercials, like when you watch it on TV. So it is insane. Um, got, gotta pay the contestants somehow. I know, I know. Um, and um, obviously, like, uh, since, like, Alex Trebek died earlier this year, so, um, like, two months ago, like, yeah. pretty recently. Um, but that's not, like, super distracting or anything, too. It's something you think about, but it's not something you're constantly thinking about while watching, so. Yeah, I believe his last week of episodes are the first week of January, the 3rd to the 7th. Okay. Yeah, so I think that's I think the seventh is his last episode. Oh. Um, they I was or no January fourth is his last episode. It was supposed to be Christmas, but they pushed it back. So I guess that makes yeah. sense. On a more on a more on a more morbid note. Yeah. No, I think I mean if I have to guess, I think it's probably gonna be Ken Jennings who's gonna take over. Yeah. Well, he's first. He's the first uh, audition. I would. I think. I think that's intentional. Uh, but who's who knows? I either want it to be someone Ken Jennings or Ken Jennings like or a complete unknown. I don't want it to be like a celebrity, essentially. Like a celebrity who's only known for their like charisma. You know what I mean? Like I don't want Drew Carey. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, yeah. I also think they're gonna take Alex Trebek's kind of hope or wishes into consideration. Cause I, you know, he has like a list of people he wants to take over for him. Yeah. Uh, so I think they'll incorporate that somehow, but um, I know, I've, yeah. I've, I've been obsessed with Jeopardy my entire life. Like it was like the first show I was I loved when I was a little baby. I would always beg my mom to turn on, uh, as I would call it, um, Depperty with a D. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I would like whine and cry because I wanted to hear the music. And then like I just soaked it all in when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, I watched it. Uh, I try to watch it like as much as I can when I'm when I'm home. But um, I love. I've it. learned. I've learned that um, I'm pretty good at Final Jeopardy. Like. Uh, watching <laughs> watching all of them, like the ones that I get consistently right the most are like Final Jeopardy. And I I don't know what it is. I think it's because you get more time to think about it. It's like you feel there's a little bit less pressure in a sort of way in 
Um, so it's like easier for me to kind of like wrap my brain around like what they're thinking and think kind of critically about it. Whereas like the first answer is you have to be really quick on your feet. Uh, and I'm, I'm a person who's not known for being quick on, quick on his feet. So, um, so I think that's why I do better in Final Jeopardy than, um, than the other. Well, well, you fooled me being quick on your feet. Oh no, uh, I am terrible. Like I, I just am not quick. Like I, I just like can't think of things quickly. Um, I think it's like kind of same thing with like sports. I have like pretty bad hand-eye coordination but I'm like good at things like running. I'm always good at things that take longer to do, essentially, yeah. than, than quick things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always like, I'm always run. like, maybe I, like maybe I'd be good at Jeopardy, but then I'm like, no, I just like you, I'm I'm not quick on my feet with answering questions. I would like freeze up and get nervous. I like I know I would if I were ever on the set, and like I am full of like random weird random knowledge. Um, so I think I do like I do pretty well if I had more time. But also like with, when it comes to Final Jeopardy, I also feel like they don't make the questions or answers as difficult as like some of the harder questions in the actual in the regular rooms. Like I don't think it's like it's intended to not be like impossible, you know? Like so the Final Jeopardy, the categories, you notice these things when you watch like 80 episodes of Jeopardy in a row. I didn't watch 80, but it's probably it's definitely in the double digits. <laughs> uh, 79. Yeah. Um, the categories for Final Jeopardy are so broad. Like it literally could mean anything. So like my favorite one was 19th century people. Like. <laughs> Like what? Like, <laughs> and so, so you like you don't like quite know what to like what to wager. So yeah. it's your bet. So it's really interesting how broad the categories are in Final Jeopardy. Yeah, when they do like if they ever do like 18th century poetry, I'm like I just turn it off. I'm like okay, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. Do, like, go to the next one. They do a lot of Shakespeare. Um, mm. learned, uh, and I've, I've noticed a lot of transportation, transportation is like a common category, uh, for some reason too. Um, mm. and then there's like the ones you expect, like the history, um, movies actually is a common category and, um, literature. I like surprisingly, like I do well with movies, like in the beginning, but when they really get in like the nitty, nitty gritty of like old movies or like, when I say old, I mean like 60s, 70s movies. Like they're not really old, but like all these movies I haven't seen, or like especially when you watch like older episodes of Jeopardy and they refer back to like older movies than that, I'm like, that's where you lose me. I'm like, it's more like current contemporary last like thirty years. I'm I'm pretty good at, but oh, um, I get lost in the science and math ones, um, hmm. just because like I'm actually not terrible at science or math, like when I have the time to study. But like, if you ask me a science or math question, like off the top of my head, like they were doing one, I think it was sort of like geometry slash calculus ones. And I was like, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> so it's like, the, it's just, it's overwhelming. And I'm like, nope, I just like totally tune out. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> so. Well, we all have our subjects we're strong at. And uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm also pretty good. Go ahead. I was like, I'm just also a big fan of like trivia. Like when we like are out of pandemics, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I love, yeah. I love like bar trivia. trivia. Uh, shout out to uh, Team Biden, my time. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's like one of the things people tell me all the time. They like they think I would be like good at 
bar trivia and I don't I don't think I'm good at bar trivia um I every now and again I'll know like a random sort of answer but um I just like don't think my brain is kind of like built for that that kind of thinking so bar trivia is like really fun when you like randomly know a fact and you have no idea how you know it or where you know it from but I just remember like one time they asked like something weird like some weird phobia um and i don't remember the name of the phobia but they're like what is this phobia and i was like oh my god that's the fear of being constantly watched by a duck <laughs> and my, and my like, how did you know that i was like i yeah. do not know <laughs> um, i don't remember where i know that but i i get like just full of these stupid random facts that like i just i don't know where they come from and that's when bar trivia is the best like when you just like pull it right out of your ass um, but <laughs> i wish but, i were good i wish i were good at trivia um i feel like i would uh i would really like that but yeah. um i think i'm just like mediocre at best at, at trivia well you don't have to be good it's more about yeah fun. exactly like it's, i it's will being with people and just like having a good time um and, it, and it's that sense i like trivia i like doing it but just don't expect me um, I hate it when people put the pressure on me and they're, they're like, oh, I bet you're really good at trivia. You know, like a lot of random stuff. And I'm like, uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. So uh, just don't expect me to be good. But yes, I will gladly be under uh, anyone's bar trivia team. It's like, <laughs> if it's 2020 Astro Trivia, like, count me in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, speaking of Oscars, should we uh, move on to our next subject? Yes. Uh, Soul. Oh, didn't we have a... Didn't we have a listener question? Oh, no, we don't. Oh, my God, we did. Yes. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> I am glad that you brought it up because we did have a trivia question. I'm sorry. I can't even speak. Um, I have it. Um, I have it right here. Would you like me to read it? Go for it. Okay. Um, because we talked about it offline. I'm sorry, dear listeners. Um, we can't keep track of what we talk offline and on air about. Okay, so here is this week's listener question. All right, and it's addressed to you. So maybe it's, uh, maybe it's good that I'm reading it. Dear Matt, in the Sound of Metal episode, S&R referred to Riz Ahmed as having a good American accent. But then you shared that it frustrated you when you uh, when people use the phrase quote unquote American accent because there is more than one America, i.e. South America versus North America. Please advise on the correct term to use to describe an, an to describe an accent from the United States of America. Thanks, Cornelius Johnson the third. <laughs> Uh, okay. What, <laughs> thank what, you for your question. What would you like to, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank Cornelius. You for, thank you for your question, Cornelius. I, I appreciate that. Um, I really like your name too. I, so I'm not going to belabor this. I It's just a matter <laughs> of personal preference. <laughs> I don't think there's an official uh, term for it, but I'm just all about semantics. Like I get like, like grammar, like, or like grammar and semantics when like people like speak. And like, I know like, I'm not the best either, but if you're saying it like in an official sense, like, <laughs> like you should probably know like <laughs> the difference between these things. Like it's like, or like things when people say like, if people are like redundant, it that's like annoys me too. Like people like say like 6 p.m. in the evening or like 2 a.m. in the morning or like ATM machine, like those like it's redundant. Like it just, it's just annoying. It, it doesn't like 
make me mad, but it's just like, those are redundant. SMH Redund my Redund head. SMH. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess when, uh, when you say like you have an American accent, like where are you talking about? Like South America, North America, Central America, what? Um, so when I refer to like someone from the United States, I always say like a US American accent or a North American accent. Um, Cause uh, even that's like too broad because like Canadians don't have, not all Canadians have like an, a US American accent. Um, even like a US American accent, like that's still very broad, but it's, it's more, it's a little less broad, a little less so than saying all of America. I don't know. It's, 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 it's just something that like is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> and so I just like, I try to like tell people like, okay, let's, let's, if you want to say American accent, speci uh, specify where from South American accent, North American accent, Brazilian accent, Canadian accent, Central American accent, the more specific, the better. So uh, yeah. that's just my personal <laughs> preference. <laughs> so. No, it's actually kind of an interesting point because you're not wrong in terms of like clarifying things. It's just that there is no alternative, right? So like, I, I think of things like, like a foreign language, like if I say in French, because it's like the only language I know, um, <laughs> is like, he is American, it would be like, il est américain, what kind of American, right? So um, it's just like what people refer to in the United States of America, they just like call it American. Um, and like, you're probably right, as in that's, uh, there just is no other sort of like alternative. Um, hey, if there's like a word for it, that's like better. I will gladly say something other than American. There you go. Uh, yeah, I just, I just say that's all American. I got. Yeah. Um, there's actually uh, a lot of good videos on YouTube um, of dialect coaches working, like to talk about working with actors when it comes to making movies and how they like have to work with their accents. Um, it's, it's really cool to watch. So if you, if you ever like have the time, you should, you should look into that. Um, and like they specify, like they really get specific about people's accents and where they're from, like all over the world. Um, and they can really, they do wonders when it comes to helping <laughs> um, professional actors with their accents and dialects. So um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool to watch. So like the different accents, like all over the U.S., like Texas and Louisiana, California, Oregon, you know, even even like Maryland has like <laughs> accents that I've never heard of. Um, and I'm I'm from Maryland. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty linguistics, cool. so, man. Linguistics. Yes. Yeah. I am no linguistics professor. I know linguistics expert. It's just a matter of personal preference. I should probably draw it after. So very cool. Well, listeners, if you uh, can shed some light on this, because we also have uh, listeners that aren't in the US. So I actually would be very curious to know uh, what they think of the subject. So yeah. let us know about accents and the quote unquote American accent and your general thoughts and experiences with them. Step and repeat pod at gmail.com. Shout out. Um, or if you have other questions like Cornelius, if we send them there, we will gladly answer them. All right. Well, moving on. Soul? Am I missing? Soul. Am I just too eager to get to 
I think you're. I think we're good. I think we've covered all of our bases. Yeah. Now we can officially talk about soul. <laughs> Two hours in <laughs> to our soul episode, we can talk about soul. <laughs> uh soul disney plus we're getting to our main review section um we usually kick off our review sections first off with a spoiler warning uh so um if you haven't seen soul and would not like to be spoiled by the beginning middle or end um get out now um with any sort of major plot um exception i try to keep it as spoiler free as possible but like if we get into quote unquote the end then obviously that's a spoiler <laughs> um so uh just a fair warning for everyone listening um but other than that i think the first thing that we usually do is give our quick review of soul in 10 words or fewer uh and that I think I will go first, if that's okay with you. <laughs> Works for me. Because mine's brief. So mine is only two words. Uh, and my my quick 10 words or fewer review of Soul is exquisitely as existential. Okay. All right. So I'm going to uh I'm gonna do something I we've only done a couple of times. I'm gonna borrow the rest of his eight words, uh, because my review is more than 10 less than 12. um so i don't know if that has, if that's how this um monetary system works but that's what consider it a holiday gift for me <laughs> for me to you oh thank you thank you for your yeah. all right so my um brief review is i wanted inside out but life isn't about what you want it's about what you make of it there you go soul the deeper the deeper dive I guess the first thing, the first thing that we'll talk about um, actually has very little to do with the movie itself. This was a movie that was supposed to come out firstly in June, I believe, definitely over the summer. Um, and it was supposed to be in theaters. Um, and then Disney pushed it back to like fall, I think it was in November. Um, again, they were still originally planning for it to be a theatrical release. And by the time every studio has learned this lesson that like releasing a movie in theaters is foolhardy if they want to make money so um so they're like okay we're gonna put it on disney plus but unlike mulan they did not charge for this movie so if you have a disney plus subscription you can watch it for free you don't have to pay an extra 30 dollars for it so how nice of them i know a christmas gift i guess you could say I think it was a very wise decision. I think, yeah. I think so too. Um, it's, a lot of people were frustrated with Mulan. And, yeah. It's kind of becoming clearer that um, you just like, you just can't release a movie in theaters if, if your goal is to make as much money as possible, which is generally the goal of most film major film studios like the smaller indie ones they don't care about the money as much so um but like for a big movie like soul um it's it's like their only option <laughs> it's to release it uh at home in some form so so yeah so that was um i think i think it was good too and it's just like what it 
It would have felt cruel if they charged for it. I don't know why. Um, felt, so, felt cruel, cruel. It would have felt cruel if they charged yeah. for it, right? on on movie on Christmas. I don't know why. To me, like that just it's it honestly it. I thought it was bad that they did it for Mulan, but I kind of understand they're like playing with the formula. Like they they don't know what works like business wise. The they don't know yet because they haven't tested any of these things. So these are all sort of tests. Same thing with the HBO Max Warner Brothers deal, but that's a whole other topic that we could get into. But like yeah. the the short of it is is that um, studios are trying to figure out what works best for them. And yeah, I don't know how like Disney fared with the thirty dollar Mulan fee. Uh, I I don't really know if the number what numbers are accurate and what aren't. Um, but maybe they figured out that they didn't get as much revenue from the thirty dollars, and they maybe get more subscribers if they offered sold for for free to subscribers. Um, I know they're raising the price of Disney Plus next month. I think it's going up a dollar. Um, Maybe that's to compensate for the, the money they lost from Mulan. Um, but I don't know. So uh, it's like this whole thing. So the business side of things is that um, Disney, unsurprisingly, is as a big company and they are a behemoth company, is not really doing that well. Um, they are they aren't doing that well. I mean, because a major part of their um, profits come from places like Disney World, <laughs> Disney. Yeah obviously aren't the parks yeah yeah aren't doing that well in the COVID times um the one exception to this is disney plus like disney plus is doing pretty well um pretty well for themselves and they actually have um disney plus has a massive amount of subscribers um especially compared to things like hbo max i never realized how few people have HBO Max until this like Warner Brothers deal kind of came out. HBO Max is kind of like the the forgotten child. They, I think they had before the HBO deal, um, I'm sorry, before the Warner Brothers deal, they had like fewer than 10 million. And um, uh, Disney Plus, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's like uh, over 50 million, I think. So like, I think they're number two to netflix right now so like in the streaming wars quote unquote disney disney plus is doing well well i think disney plus also had a much better advertising campaign and like promotional campaign For um sure. especially with the launch of the mandalorian um like at the get-go like that is what like let's be honest that's what really drew everyone to disney plus when it first started so um, the the issue with disney plus and part of the reason why they um why movies like soul and a whole host of other things are coming to disney plus soon is because at this point disney plus thought they would have a lot more content um covid <laughs> put a kink in put a kink in those plans uh so like they thought they would be like knee deep in like marvel tv shows by this point uh, when they launched last year and um, a lot of those projects were delayed uh, they're still coming but they're just delayed now so yeah I'm not impressed um I thought it was I thought it was overload uh the investor stream or whatever you want to call it um when they announced like what was it like something like 30 plus projects I just was like and they're all like Disney plus like they're, they're all Disney plus it's it's you know Disney Star Wars Marvel um 
Pixar. It's just, it was just overload. Um, and I felt stressed out and I'm like, what are these all coming out in the next three years? And it's just like, how much, how much more content, like, do I have the patience to, like to consume from like Star Wars, like, like seven or eight new Star Wars shows or like seven or eight new Marvel shows. I'm like, it was, it was, just, it was so much. It was, it was a lot. And um, like, well, I, it wasn't I am, even only, it wasn't even only that, but um, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, literally the last thing that you find out at the end of season two of the Mandalorian is that there will be a Mandalorian spinoff, like oh, another thing, another one, another one. So it was yeah. like, we just learned of 30 new shows and now we're making it 31. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like Disney like reads Twitter and like people are all excited that, you know, Boba Fett's back or whatever. And like, you know, Oh, got to make a Boba Fett show. It's like, no, we don't have to like, just appreciate what you have. You don't need to make a spinoff of everything that, is semi-successful in each show or movie that you produce. Um, but that being said, you know, if people are excited for him, then <laughs> who yeah. am I to stop him? So yeah, <laughs> whatever. But um, but they don't, outside of the Mandalorian, like they, Disney Plus doesn't have like original content. Like mm -hmm. they, their strengths lie at this moment, at this lie in their library and like what, uh, their deep, deep brand, Disney brand. And also since they bought like 20th Century Fox, they got like all those movies. Um, but so from a business perspective, um, Disney Plus for the remainder of 2020 needed movies to put on their platform. So that's why they're like, okay, we're going to put out Hamilton. Okay, we're going to put out uh, Mulan. Okay, we're going to put out Soul. So mm -hmm. um, they tried to like space those out as much as they thought was uh, beneficial to them. So, um, I mean, it clearly kind of like worked from a businessy perspective as much as you can, I'm, you know, not on the Disney board, but, um, but yeah, I think, um, I think, I mean, soul is like a success for them. I don't, I mean, it's still early. It just came out, but it's just kind of, um, the reaction's pretty positive to soul. So, and it is, I mean, it's safe to say, I think it's the front runner for best um, animated feature at the Oscars, so. Yeah, well, yeah, it's gonna come down to that or Wolf Walkers and I really yeah. know anything else. <laughs> that yeah, that's, that's two, about so. it. Yeah, it's gonna be that or Wolf Walkers, which is on uh, Apple TV Plus, uh, so. Another one I recently watched. <laughs> yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's the business side of things. Um, Content-wise, um, you mentioned um, you were you were looking into or expecting Inside Out. Yeah, so let me let me elaborate. Um, I know it's kind of sounds confusing. I uh, am a huge like huge fan of Inside Out. It's it is another Pete Doctor project. Um, you know, I like cry every single time I finish it. Um, so I was kind of like in that sense expecting um, like kind of like a follow-up like or the same kind of uh, emotions that I would feel watching Inside Out or like the same kind of emotional reaction I had at the end. Um, so my my expectations, especially since this is Disney Pixar and the bar is already very high, my expectations were through the roof. Um, and I probably looking back on that uh, made a mistake 
uh, setting my expectations that high. Um, I don't want to, let me start with this. I loved Soul. I thought it was a great movie. Um, that being said, I do have my reservations and some criticisms. Um, but I don't want you to sit here and think that I did not like Soul. I loved Soul. I thought it was great. Um, but I, I wanted the same feeling I had when I watched Inside Out. Um, and I didn't get it. So I, I, I felt like I was a little underwhelmed at the end. Um, but that is also like at my expense. Like or not, that's my fault, sort of. Um, I, I think I know it. I think I know what you mean too. Um, I am also like in tears at the end, end of Inside Out. I haven't seen Inside Out since it came out, but Inside Out for me, um, I think Inside Out made me feel like emotions that I'd never really considered before. And so kind of the ending, the, the feelings I felt during Inside Out, I like wasn't expecting to feel in a sort of way. And it's like, it really caught me off guard and like really made me like self-reflective in a way that I hadn't been before. Um, whereas I think um, Soul, um, I was appreciative of the emotions that they try to convey in Soul because, because those are things I think about a lot. And think about like constantly and so i'm grateful for soul for exploring them but they are concepts that i've thought about before so i think that's where the difference lies i think right for me at least um right so i'm in a very similar camp i with inside when it comes to inside out i i watch inside out and i think of the emotions like inside my head and, and i'm and i'm that movie makes me aware of what's going on in there and and the lessons you learn from inside out not only that like what teach kids but also adults is that like you need emotions you need fear um you know fear anxiety sadness to experience ultimately experience happiness and it's that it's those themes it's that lesson you learned that really like drives the emotion at the end um so like when she when riley hugs her parents at the end of inside out like i like after Sobbing everything mess. you just <laughs> yeah. you just like yeah. oh my god and the music playing in the background oh my god um whereas with soul like let's just be honest it's a deep drive it's a deep deep dive into depression and like how um depression affects people and what so reminded me of like the most and it it's actually not um like Inside Out or even Coco, which I think are like it's spiritual Pixar mm -hmm. sisters. Uh, I think the the movie it reminded me the most and it's most similar to is the movie Inside Lewin Davis, um, <laughs> the Coen Brothers movie. You, you actually aren't the first person that I've heard say that. <laughs> it's well, and I've, I've read that very surface level, but like it's a movie that's kind of about depression. And the lead, the lead character is a musician, like in a quarter to midlife crisis, um, who also has like a pet cat. <laughs> so like, that's like about where the similarities end, but those are still kind of like specific enough that you can see the, 
the parallels. Yeah, but what what depressed middle-aged artist doesn't have a cat? Touche. <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah. Um yeah, again, like don't think I didn't like it because I really liked it. I thought it was good. Um, but like you said, it explores areas that I've thought about. Um, yeah, and the, the, those areas, I think, I guess this is kind of spoiler because this is kind of like the lesson you're supposed to take away. So um, so this is the most spoilery, but like the lesson is that like what your spark is in life, like what your drive is, um, isn't necessarily have to be your like um, your sole purpose, like in life, S O L E purpose <laughs> in life, uh, and it's your um, it's like what makes you happy. It's like what makes you like want to live. It doesn't have to be your your reason for living. Does that mean? It yeah. No. Yeah. Like there's a there's a line where one of the Judies or whatever you call them. Um, cherries cherries yeah say yeah. like uh you know you humans and your purposes you know that's not what life is all about and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah yeah she does make a point like life isn't about you know your purpose it's not about what what we think our purpose is it's about what we make wh like what i said in my review like what we make of it like what yeah. we what we make of our time on this earth um and that is they, a good yeah so that's a good lesson to 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 live by and, and to learn but I just, I don't think soul quite hit the nail on the head with so, that theme. <laughs> um, I kind of agree, even though it's like, I'm criticizing because I love, I actually love this movie a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think- <laughs> We made it clear, we like yeah. this movie. <laughs> we um, have, but we are, we are on a podcast too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Criticize. Uh, I don't think they stuck the landing. Um, and, I think the ending is a little bit wobbly and that is where it's like where the lesson is supposed to be where really driven home um i think i think the ending is extremely abrupt um like to the point where i was like oh my god it's over <laughs> where i was like really shocked um like you have this like sort of emotional climax and then um okay major spoilers um so you have this like major climax of like half the movie um joe the main character is like trying to get back to earth and then he like uh befriends this other soul this like uh um kind of curmudgeon like over it life like person and that's um 22 uh uh oh, the name is tw literally 22 22 and um she goes back to she goes back to earth and like the implication is that joe won't get back to earth and like will end up like being trapped as like a soul forever and then immediately after that like 10 seconds after that like huge emotional high point it's like okay joe we're giving you a second chance you get another chance too okay you're back in life and it's like because you did a good deed and like yeah. end of movie and it's like wow um it happened so quickly did you feel did you yeah no i i was i yeah um since we're in the spoilers territory i did not expect him to actually take the leap back to earth i thought he would be like it was more of like i learned my lesson i'm ready to move on into the afterlife but yeah that since that didn't happen it caught it did catch me off guard and then i'm like whoa like where did this come from like it, it was just a very it just it, it did not feel whole it didn't feel complete um 
I just didn't feel like like well-rounded like I do with like most other Disney Pixar movies. Um, so for me, yeah, but you're right. Like the landing did not stick. Um, it's not I like, feel like it's I not feel inherently like a bad ending. I don't think like I don't think what they did at the ending is bad. Like I don't think it's like bad that he got a second chance and like it goes back. I think it's just the order of things that they do it and how quickly. I think it's like more of a pacing issue for me. Yeah, yeah, the pacing, the pacing was off. It was definitely off. Um, and it's only at the end there. So, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just, I don't feel like there was an entire, there wasn't, a, there wasn't like a lesson learned. It was more of just like, this is what depression feels like. But I also kind of got the sense that they were like, it almost seemed like they were trying to make it seem like there was this kind of fix for depression, um, which like there's no easy fix for depression. Anyone who experiences depression will tell you that. Um, and that was also kind of a, like a frustrating thing to me. Um, like that you need like, like you need to have like this existential, like out of, out of body experience, like to, to fix any sort of like sadness you're going through in life. And it's like, that's not how it works. Um, I don't know. Did, did you feel that way at all? Um, again, these are, um, the currency of soul is like dealing with, I think, more abstract concepts rather than um, specific things. So I think there's a lot open to interpretation here. Um, but I think in his brief time when he's like brought back to earth, brought temporarily back to life on earth, um, he does learn like kind of like a good lessons of, um, which are good of like being around like friends and family, like or is the sort of thing that you you need more rather than like rather than what you think you need like rather what you think the cure-all is going to be which is like for him he thinks like the cure to his purpose quote-unquote purpose is being in this jazz band right so like he thinks that's gonna be the thing but like um the more time he spends like with others um, and that is like an actual helpful sort of experience but like again it's not super obvious i think it's just kind of like where the story goes rather than um rather yeah. than being explicit so so i think like all that stuff is open to other yeah takes yeah it's yeah yeah i yeah i can i can definitely see where it's like open for interpretation which you know you can appreciate and I guess a lot of like, uh, I guess a lot of, oh, mm, I can't really think of many like Pixar movies that, oh, God, I just feel like Pixar, see, they've gotten so deep over the years. Like they've gotten so emotional and like beloved by everyone. Like, do you remember like the early days of like Toy Story and Bugs Life? <laughs> it's just like a fun Toy Story, no, so I seriously think like there has got to be some book out there or some college course that is about like existentialism and Pixar because um, even Toy Story, you could argue is like a, uh, a story about like existentialism and like 
being and like the purpose of being. <laughs> so, um, uh, and like all these things and are like really driven home, especially recently, like I like mentioned, of like inside out, obviously, like with the emotion side of things and Coco, which is about like mortality and like the thought of mortality. So like even more recently than usual, I think like Pixar is getting philosophical. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the Pixar movie that came out earlier this year, which actually I, I had way more emotion to than this one was um, onward. And like this, like the question is like, what if you had the chance to meet someone or talk to someone you lost one last time? Um, and I thought that like, to me, well, to me, that hit home way more than than Soul did. Um, I guess because I like more relate to it, but but yeah, I I I had a I had I had a more deeper impact with, or Onward had a more more of an impact on me than than I guess Soul did. Um, and I know like Soul is supposed to be like the more like renowned like better Pixar movie of the year, but I don't know. Like I <laughs> I really like Onward. <laughs> I thought Onward was great. Um, but I guess it's more of like how you relate to it on a personal level. I just had a thought. Um, it's very possible we'll get two Pixar nominees maybe this year, if that's possible. Um, oh, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Because because it's a limited year anyway, so yeah. that'd be interesting. Um, I remember in what was it, twenty eighteen? There were, we had two Pixar movies. Was it twenty eighteen or twenty twenty fifteen? Yeah, it was the year, whatever year, we also had the good dinosaurs. <laughs> Which I also loved, and like apparently, like no one else did. I don't, um, I don't love another, the dinosaur. I think another movie. I was on. Oh really? Yeah. I I was a, no, I I was a wreck at the end of that one too. So I don't remember the what was the other Pixar movie that came out the year? I can't remember. Was it Inside Out? I think it was. I, yeah. I do think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside Out was twenty fifteen. So, um, yeah. So that's my, uh, I guess that's our take on soul. Um, well, so the other, I don't necessarily feel qualified to speak about this. The one thing that I also have trepidations about is a good portion of the movie. Um, okay, I'll, let me back up. This is the very first Pixar movie where the lead character is black. <laughs> so, um, which is a momentous occasion. Um, it only took till 2020 to get there. Well, I think it's somewhat undercut by the fact that a whole act of soul, that black man is voiced by a white woman, right? <laughs> because 22, um, the character of 22 played by Tina Fey, um, who they describe as having the, the voice of a white woman in the movie, uh, then takes the body of the black man. So it's weird. It's, I, it's an odd creative choice to me. Um, and that's why I don't necessarily feel qualified to speak about this because I'm um, not represented either as a black man or a white woman. So I can't really, I have nothing really to say, but it, it, it struck to me as a bizarre choice, especially given the, um, the idea that this is the first character, this is the first Pixar movie where the lead character is black. So I don't know, did you, did that thought ever um, find? 
Not really, no. Um, but I also did not expect the story to go in that direction. Same. Uh, I, Same. Yeah, I didn't. I thought it was going to be more about the soul, like in the afterlife or like the purgatory, if you will. Uh, I didn't expect them to go back to Earth. Um, but no, I did not think about that. Um, but now that you mention it, I wonder if anyone has written on it or what their perspective is. Because yeah. Yeah, I don't have, again, I don't have the right to comment on that. Yeah. I don't think. So, yeah, I just, yeah, um, that's a it was interesting, something I, it's an interesting, um, yeah, interesting thing to see. Yeah, I like, I really don't know quite what to make of it because part of one of the good things of representation is like literally seeing yourself like on screen. And so, um, and so like that's a very, that's a visual medium right so um so by seeing like a black man on screen that's like seeing a matching representation um, um that's why it's also um this people have written about too um like uh black characters turning into like creatures a sort of thing too um so like in this like in soul is like does do this like the black man dies 10 minutes into the movie and becomes like a blob <laughs> so um but like but that's also like the premise of the movie too um so there are definitely people have definitely written stuff about this but um uh, it, it's just a and it's an interesting creative choice and i haven't quite like fleshed out my thoughts on this, but it was something that I noticed also. That's all I'll say. Like the have being voiced by um, Tina Fey for a while, Joe being voiced by Tina Fey. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It also seemed it it that whole like I guess you can call it a second act, uh it did feel a little awkward um with that the two voices being switched or the cat being black man and um, Tina Fey being Joe, uh, that did feel a little weird to me. Um, I mean, you really like, you look at the history of Pixar and there's very few actual black characters that come to mind. Like the, really the only one is Frozone from The Incredibles, um, who plays a pretty significant role, but when it comes to screen time, it's very little. Yeah, it's definitely not the lead or uh, yeah. it's definitely still a supporting character, even a co-lead, yeah. Um, I mean, you think of anything like with Pixar when it comes to like being progressive, um, remember a few years ago when Finding Dory came out, they like, everyone lost their minds when there was a lesbian couple. Um, and I'm like, why- Or even Onward, Onward too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like why, like why, like why, why are we reacting this way? Like, wh like can't, Pixar, like, like, are we sending a bad message to children, like about inclusion and equality? I, it, I don't, I don't get why people like have strong reactions. Um, yeah, I think but, too much about like studio interference too. But the first thing that I thought of when like, um, this would be like kind of like incredibly racist. But the first thing I thought of um, for studio interference on Soul would have. Um, and Tina Fey, like voicing the black man, it, it kind of screamed to me. It's like, okay, we'll have your movie that's about a black man, 
but it's not as not if he's too black. We can't scare too many people, so we have to have a white woman like play him to you know ease the pain a little bit. So um, I, I don't know. I'm being again. I'm being cynical, but like uh, who? Like that may have been the case. Like I could see a scenario, and that's scary. But I could see a scenario as that was why. Like, yeah. Why yeah. they chose to do it. So, which I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> but um, who knows? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, when it like yeah, when it comes to Pixar, it's like yes, they've got great films, and like they are like the themes and the stories, with the exception of Cars, are. Um, nine out of ten nine times out of ten just amazing but then you think of like things like this or things like you know what happened with finding dory it's it's a little ridiculous <laughs> like okay let's just like move on so yeah um, um okay i since this has been like a very critical things i do want to talk about things that i like really loved this movie is stunning uh it is like really really gorgeous to look at especially in the scenes where they're in the like the quote unquote afterlife and before life, the great before and the great beyond, <laughs> like, um, like the scenes with the stairs in particular, like kind of like leading up to the afterlife. I remember like, I was like looking at like those shots and I'm like, oh my God. I was like, that is really beautiful. <laughs> it's just like, for, it's just like Pixar showing off. Like, yeah, yeah they're yeah. amazing. Like, come on, yeah. we all know. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. the shots are great. Um, I'm just gonna say one thing on this and I'm not gonna say it again. Um, I am like surprised there hasn't been more like protests from like right-wing Christian groups about like <laughs> the depiction of the afterlife um, or like outcry. But I, I was expecting some kind of like protest from them. But anyway, that's neither here. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I hope not because that would be uh, an argument not based in reality um, or not reality, but like who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean like, yeah, they freak out over everything, so. Yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting, I was just waiting for it. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought like someone would say something about like, oh, you're like, why, how dare you depict heaven or the transition from earth to heaven. I, I, um, but anyway, yeah, it was, it was beautifully shot. Um, but again, when is Pixar not beautifully shot? Like every single movie visually just gets better and better and better. And like, you know, like the colors and the movement, like even the camera work, um, just beautiful. Everything's everything's like very, very well done. So uh, I definitely agree with you there. So yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was um, I really, really, really impressed um, with what it what it's like. Would love those these for my Zoom backgrounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I like didn't know like. In the Incredibles, like how it could get any better, and then sure enough, uh, they surprised you. So, <laughs> or Incredibles too, so, which was last year's. My um, the second thing that I loved, uh, and we mentioned this in a previous podcast, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score uh, is uh, fantastic. It's so like wispy is like the the best. Uh, word I could use and uh, it just like really fit and it was just like such a good fit for for everything that was going on and um, I hate to say this but I think it was almost 
too good. <laughs> I think the the score was almost too good to the point where a lot of times I found myself getting lost in the score and I was like, oh yeah, like I'm like really digging this tune. And then like people were talking and then I realized I wasn't paying attention to like what they were talking about because I was listening to the score. <laughs> so Yeah, well that's like part of the point of soul too is like it's like it's about the music too, you know? Like yeah. a big part of it is the score, like the jazz, the music, um, which was, which I thought was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very supportive of that. thought that was fantastic. Um, and I will be listening to that a lot. I know you will be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, was this the first time Trent Reznor actually like um, tackled jazz? Well, I mean, I don't want to say that. Um, <laughs> but um, I think they're like, they're really pushing their boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. as, uh, as composers. Um, and, uh, I think they were already like incredibly unique and gifted starting with everything in the social network. And even over the past two years, like their one, two, three punch, I think of Watchmen, Mank, and now Soul is just like, I, I just think they're phenomenal and like possibly like the best working composers out there like film cinema composers out there so <laughs> they could have a they also could have two nominations this year <laughs> i yeah i really think they will um if i had to pick they're both very different but i i would like lean soul i think i actually um i mentioned this earlier for speaking of scores for as much as i did not like the midnight sky i thought the score was beautiful um yeah so you should Alexander um Alexander Desplat, who was my <laughs> Spotify most listened to artist of the year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because I listen to film scores like at work because it like helps me concentrate. Uh and he has he does he works a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um so when you see the Midnight Sky, pay attention to the score. It's yeah. it's beautiful. Um which I think might give a nomination. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, what yeah. else? What else? What else? Yeah. I, um, I, I, I really did. I love this movie. Um, it's like very funny too. Like there's, there's a lot of like fun, like I hate to use this term, like the adult jokes that are just like, that like you never expect to see like in a movie, like there's a joke about the Knicks and oh my god that was hilarious <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was so funny like i <laughs> so um yeah, yeah like and, i feel like we're underselling how funny this movie is <laughs> i don't think we've really talked about that yeah yeah uh and like like as like sad as it was but like all the all the like the his historic people like who give up on 22. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Dying. Marie Antoinette. I yes. lost. <laughs> no, pun, pun intended. I lost my head. I was like, when they showed Marie Antoinette and she doesn't have a body, I was <laughs> like <laughs> crying. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was definitely pun intended there. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I, I think most of the funny stuff, most of like the really funny stuff, I think comes like in the first half of the movie too. Like once like they kind of like get the concept down and they go to like the great before. So, mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think the setup's great. I think everything is good leading up to the third act and then the ultimate ending, which is like, I guess where it like loses me. I don't know. I just, it just has something to say about, you know, expectations and maybe um, that was a point they were trying to convey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think those sorts of things, like, I mean, this just goes for expectations in general, but those things kind of go away when you watch a movie for a second time because you know more like, what you're getting yourself into. So um, that and I, will say, I will say I did not fall in love with Inside Out until the second time I watched it. So maybe I will go back and rewatch Soul six months down the road and I'll feel different yeah. about it. Because that's because that's when I that's when I did love Inside Out. I was like it's like around six months in. Like I got it on Blu-ray and I rewatched it and I was that's when I really fell in love with it. So. Yeah. Like it it builds for a greater appreciation um, on other other movies too so anytime i say i like want to watch a movie again it's because i now know exactly what kind of movie it is and like it allows me to pick up the themes more i don't know you know like you just like can watch it and experience it more and um yeah well you can yeah you can pick thoughts. up other things yeah you pick yeah. up other things and yeah i always like if i ever go back and rewatch movies it's which is actually very rare and i I don't do it as much as I should. Um, I do, I definitely do. For your Blu-ray collection, you should. You really, you gotta put that money to use. I know, I know. I, I have like, like freaking six, 700 movies in my library. And yeah. <laughs> I oh, do like you? watch movies do you? once. I do, do I do, oh, I do. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't physically have all my copies, but yeah, a lot of digital copies. I should yeah. go back and rewatch. So I just like, ugh, I wish I had time. But I guess, you know, if you know, only we had a pandemic to keep us in the house. <laughs> Speak for yourself all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't Cool. Anything else on on S.O.U.L. Soul? I'm trying to think. I have like a double I'm entendre. <laughs> soul. soul. <laughs> Music My soul. soul. Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, I'm glad I got those feelings off my chest because <laughs> I was waiting to like express myself in a healthy manner. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, granted, like spend a lot of the time on the podcast talking about this, but I think the things that I quote unquote complained about, they're not even really complaints. They're more things I'm unsure about. Like I, I feel like my they could fall sort of either way. Or like on a second watch, I could not feel these things and think like Soul is a perfect movie. I've read like several reviews that people like Soul really hit hard and they're like, they really kind of um, fall into it like on first watch. So. Um, well, I think a lot, like that's what I was saying earlier is I think like there are people out there who really can relate to this movie and find something to love about it. Whereas like for me, I I just, there are other Pixar movies that relate, that I can relate more to and that I have a genuine, like I have more emotion towards than I do with soul, yeah. but. New Yorkers, I've, I've seen a lot of people who live in New York and um, like experience New York that in non pandemic times, like they see like the vibrancy of New York displayed like in soul and they get like really, 
sad and nostalgic for <laughs> pre-pandemic New York. Um, yeah. so, uh, so it's it's really, I think, like heading home for a lot of New Yorkers. Yeah. I also, I also thought, um, speaking of which, I thought this was actually good timing on Disney's end to release, when to release Soul. Um, more of like, especially at the end of a very chaotic year, it's a good movie to kind of reflect on and reminisce on. Um, I think, I don't know, I feel like releasing it in like June, like even if we weren't in a pandemic, wouldn't have had the, would have had a very different effect. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was good timing with them. And yeah. Yeah, it feels like, uh, it feels warm and holiday-like to me. So I think yeah. end of the year is better than. Uh, yeah, like this is a movie like, summer like feels more important to sit around and watch with the family rather than like going to see it with your friends in the summer or something. I, I don't know. I, yeah. 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 yeah Maybe it's just because that's how the cards fell, but I just, I, I kind of feel that way too. It feels more yeah. uh, appropriate this time of year. Yeah. And I'm no way advocating for skipping the movie theater and going right to Disney plus. I'm not about that life, but at, at the end of, this pandemic year, I thought it was a it was a wise decision. So, yeah, our last our last movie. I know. Uh, movie review of twenty twenty. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, we will be coming back with a very special episode, our um, a bonus episode this week. So for our best of the year. So um, I know for sure there will be at least a couple movies on my best of the year that we did not get the chance to talk about this year. So there will be new material for, for you to hear. So I'm excited. Um, yeah. I have, uh, I have some work to do cause I, <laughs> I've got a lot of movies to shift around. And, um, if you are, if you are on my letterbox and in my 2020 list, do not take that as, my top 10 at all because <laughs> i still have to work on it that is not a reflection Same. of my favorite movies of the year yeah. um i know like roughly what mine are gonna be but i have to like yeah. work a few kinks out <laughs> so and i've got what today and three more days to cram in a few <laughs> a few more uh yeah which i'll which i'll do so uh yeah there are definitely going to be movies that came out in 2020 that i didn't get the chance to see that could have made my top but yeah yeah i know same yeah. there's gonna be movies yeah. I, I know i'm not gonna be able to see till next year so yeah um you caught all you caught a lot of the uh early uh film festival virtual film festivals where i only yeah. caught a few so, so i'm jealous of you on that aspect this is kind of related to soul but there's one movie that was completely pushed to 2021 um like summer 2021 um that um, I did see a, a film festival that reminded me of Soul. It's called Nine Days. Um, and like the whole concept of Nine Days is about um, these souls like <laughs> that uh, have nine days to like compete with each other. And the winning soul basically like gets to go to earth and gets to be born essentially. So it's like the great before. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the same concept, <laughs> like pre-consciousness essentially. So yeah, like, oh, push it back. Soul's coming out, push it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but like maybe. <laughs> yeah, but really. <laughs> uh, so it's like, um, so it's like very interesting how like, 
how much we're thinking about these things, like what creatives are thinking about. <laughs> so uh, very deep, again, existential, existential stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, that movie would have made my top 10 if it came out in 2020, but they, if I still oh, it would have, oh, tell us more about all the no, movies all, you've seen that we, <laughs> that's all I can say. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a great, yeah. we'll talk about it at some point. I look forward to it. All right. Well, yeah. um, yeah. So thanks guys for sticking with our all of our movie reviews this year and you know we'll be back in a couple days to go over our top 10 but um it's definitely been an interesting year with our uh our um pandemic pick of the weeks and then our transition into our quote-unquote new releases but um yeah it's been thrilled to review all these films with you and i look forward to uh to uh putting them in our top 10 order so same except yeah. um but we are also not done reviewing 2020, quote unquote, 2020 movies, because we will be back next year, continuing to uh, review movies that quote unquote came out this year, which you will not, you and I will not be able to see until 2021, um, but they will qualify for next year's Oscars. And that's Oscars, important. Yeah. So, all right, well, uh, that's it from us, but we'd love to hear more from you and let us know what you uh, think of the podcast and let us know what you thought of Soul. Um, if you had the chance to watch now available on Disney Plus. And as we uh, said earlier, you can always send us an email. Uh, we always appreciate listener emails and we'd love to answer listener questions. Um, so thank you, Cornelius. Um, you can email us at stepandrepeatpod at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media handles at repeatsteppod on Twitter and Facebook on Facebook at facebook.com slash stepandrepeatpod. You can also find more reviews on the Letterbox app, which I referenced a couple of times this episode. Uh, Andrew is at A Shine, and I am at M Grant twelve nineteen. And as always, please take a few seconds to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. New reviews help us find new listeners, and if you give us a five star review, uh, we'll give you a sixty second review of your, the film of your choosing. Um, again, we still have yet to do it. <laughs> it is the end of twenty twenty. And that one. So, um, about 2021, get, right? <laughs> yes. Please get those reviews to us. Um, so, all right. Um, I guess I hope all of you have or had a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays. And I, we'll talk to you before the new year. But um, until next time, thank you for listening. And I think I speak for Andrew when it's, and I say it's an honor just to be considered. <laughs>